Well, greetings to all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's a great honor and a humbling opportunity to preach and share the Word of God with you this morning. And as the congregation, uh, why this topic today? I would, this is something that there will be, there's some very topical in nature, very hard-hitting, practical to real-world circumstances that we live in. And there might be some points that some of you have heard before, but there will be something new for everybody. And it is designed to reach to what we're living in our nation today, our world today. We could probably agree that we are in very unprecedented and crazy times. And so because of that, it requires us to see from the Word of God how we are to live by faith in the midst of such times. And so that's what we're going to be addressing today in this sermon entitled, The Prepared Christian. And we'll be taking our scripture reading from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through 17. Um, and I would ask if you are able to stand out of the respect for the reading of God's word. And I will be reading from the King James Version, but you follow along with me. Uh, I'm kind of, okay, first, I'm sorry, I'm going the wrong direction here. Um, First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Hear the word of the Lord, and it says, And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please pause with me for prayer? Lord, we thank you again for this day and that we can gather as your people. Thank you for your word and and that your word is truth. We ask that you would help us to see truth from your word today, how we might be people of faith and that you would strengthen our hearts today, that you would receive honor and glory in these things that are proclaimed today in Jesus' name. Amen. So yes, you may be seated. Uh, So the prepared Christian. An interesting title indeed, and I'm going to dare you today as the congregation to think about how you might to hear, be willing to hear some things today that might challenge you to certain levels of faith that maybe you never thought were required of you. And so there's a lot of different ways that a topic like this could go, maybe a lot of things that come to our mind, but we want to break it down into kind of three main uh, points and focus by looking first of all at how we are to be prepared to give an answer to various kinds of people for our faith and the hope that we have. We'll look secondly at being prepared physically in this world, and we will consider lastly how we are to live prepared always to meet the Lord. So starting out in our passage here in 1 Peter 3, the kind of the main focus verse that we'll look at is verse 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So indeed... We are called to be living in such a way that people are asking us what about our faith, why we believe what we do. And if you're taking notes, I'll just read this very quickly, a a proverb that kind of brings this out for us. 
is Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4, where it tells us, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find good favor, <clears throat> excuse me, find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So indeed, we are to live in such a way that our lifestyle does cause people to, hey, what's different about you? To be asking, to be wondering. And in reaching out to people that are seeking, uh, have you thought about this? How, what would you say if somebody came up to you asking you, tell me why you believe this? Something important for you to be thinking about. And might I remind you also that we should not just look at simply lifestyle evangelism only. That's, that's a very important point. But if that's all we would do, you forgot the woman at the well. We are to be active in reaching out to people and in uh, going out and seeking out the lost because darkness doesn't come out looking for light. It is light that goes out into the darkness. And so I pray that you Kevin, have an open mind to how you might be building those conversations and, and chances to reach people with the gospel, whether they're coming to you or whether you're going to them. But while I've addressed it in this, the idea and the concept of people saying, hey, what's different about you? That's actually not the context that this is written in. Take a closer look with me again. In verse 13, we'll kind of work through this. It says, who is he that will harm you? And then in verse 14, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake... Happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror. Verse 16, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So this is not speaking about a person coming up to you saying, hey, what's different about you? This is a person that is hostile to you. They are out to get you. And we are equally called to have an answer for these kinds of enemies as well. The key to that answer is again in verse 15, right at the end, it says, with meekness and fear. So we should always be seeking to give a, a respectful answer, a kind and gentle answer, a soft answer that can win people over. But there are three ways in particular that we can be addressing and answering these enemies. Turn with me to the first one in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. This is in the context of being brought before thrones, magistrates, something that can have application in our day considering the greater assaults against civil and religious liberties. And it reads, oops, one chapter back, um, and when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you at the same hour what ye ought to say. So the way we answer them, first of all, is by helping, is by recognizing God will give us the answer. You know, what a great comfort that is that in times of apparel and circumstance, we don't need to fear how we might respond, what we might say. The scripture promises us that the Holy Ghost of God will give us words to say should we face such a time. But the second and third way kind of piggyback off of each other, and that is found, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. And it reads... Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So the second way to answer him is just don't give him one. Because think about this, the Pharisees when they came to Jesus, is there ever a time where they come to him asking him questions because they have this heartfelt desire to want to follow his teachings? No, it doesn't happen. So 
Why should we expect anything different from, from people today? They're always trying to get him trapped in his words, get him in trouble with the authorities. So in some ways, people come to us asking us questions with the same intention. They're out to try to stick it to you. They want to provoke you and make you give an answer that gets a rise out of you or gets you in trouble with civil authorities or makes you say something that just makes you look like this bumbling, stumbling idiot so they can make a laughing stock out of you. In that case, the appropriate answer is just don't answer them at all. But the flip side of that is in verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So sometimes there's an appropriate, if you want to put it for notes, giving them a fitly spoken answer. And what that entails is saying things that make them have to shove their foot in their mouth and think about the stupid, wicked things that they say. Um, you know, as we, back in the first Peter verse, it says that they may be ashamed that speak falsely against you. There's a time and a place for an answer that makes them just look like the bumbling, stumbling idiot themselves for trying to question you. So may we be open and aware to the various ways that we can answer various people. But secondly today, we want to be aware of the need to be prepared physically in this world with real means and resources. To get your mind going on this, turn with me to Proverbs 21 and verse 31. And it tells us the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. So what's the wisdom of this proverb? It's teaching us that do both. Have the horse prepared and trust God. The person that would try to one-side all of this and just say, my war horse, my stuff, my firepower, my you fill in the blank, this person is being a great fool because they're failing to see that it is God who ultimately gives us his hand of protection and care in all things. But the person who then drops the war horse altogether because I just trust God, this person is also a great fool because they are failing to see the truth of the scriptures that God can and often does give us his providential care and protection using human means. We are told twice in the book of Proverbs, flip to the closest reference here, Proverbs 22 verse 3, and the other is 27.13, if you're taking notes. It says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So, prudent men foreseeing the evil. What would that look like in our culture and in our day? So let's take some stock of some real-world application in these sorts of things. We have a country that's only $30 trillion plus dollars in debt. We have an inflation rate of... Numbers that I've heard as high as 7.8% in some places. You know, increasing assaults against civil and religious liberties we addressed earlier. Um, all kinds of volatility in the markets, business supply chains. People just infighting. Our country is just like this powder keg about to go off with all the division and, and brokenness there. And so one could see all that and say, you know, hey, it would be good to be prepared with physical things to face some challenges or harder times. And so it is indeed appropriate to, for you to be thinking about, should we have some food stored up and water or filtration? How about heat, keeping the house warm if the power goes out? Um, you know, does everybody in your family have good medical skills? Could anybody administer CPR, first, first aid, those kinds of things? Every man, woman, and child of appropriate age in your household should be proficient in the use of various kinds of firearms. What about skill sets that you have? Could you barter and trade or help other people? Maybe you have some training in area 
that you could help other people in times of great challenge or hardship. And if that seems like we're getting way too out in the weeds, don't, this isn't not really spiritual, just, this, just, this is only taking stock of what does that look like in practical application being prudent people in our circumstances. The scripture counts it as wise uh, for us to be prepared in those manners. Consider what the Bible tells us about the ants in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 and 25. And it says, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. So clearly they prepare for in the times of good, in the times of lean, for the times of in, in preparation for the times of lean and the winter and the hardship. And there is also... If, if people would try to blow this off, Christians need to be, be warned of that because there's actually a very strong warning in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 that we must consider. I know this is one of the points that I've covered before, but it is important to repeat that it says, but if any man provide not for his own house, and especially not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So how, how can that be possible? The Christian, worse than the infidel? How, how can that be? They, the way that works is because of this infidel, who could care less about God, period, doesn't want anything to do with anything spiritual at all, but yet he has enough awareness of what's going on in this physical world to have those physical means, resources in place to protect and provide for his own, and the Christian over here, seeing all the same things, talking about how much they love Jesus and can't wait to go to heaven, is doing nothing at all. And so what's happening is this infidel is putting this Christian out, just taking him out to the woodshed and putting him under the table because by his actions of having those physical means and safeguards in place, he's doing two things. First of all, he is showing a greater love for life itself which God is the author of, by having those means in place to protect and preserve life, and the Christian's not doing that. And the infidel is secondly also uh, doing more to safeguard his own, as the scripture is teaching, than what the Christian is. And this is how that infidel can be counted, or that Christian so-called can be counted as worse than the infidel. Very important for us to see that. And if you don't think this has an effect on our witness being engaged with the world in real circumstances in our culture like this, it's important for us to take stock of this because by and large, there is a conception in the unchurched world that we as Christians, like, our faith is just irrelevant. We don't stand for anything. We don't speak out for anything. They look at the lives of Christians and they have this in, in some ways, a right perception that we've got our heads so stuck up in the clouds that we can't even deal with reality in this world where we're at right now. And so because of that, it causes them to discredit the Christian faith. Like, what's real about this? I don't see any validity to your beliefs. Why should I follow this? And so they don't. And they will then shut you off to everything that you have to say to them, and that includes shutting you off to you telling them about the gospel. So this is why it's necessary for us in these times to have that kind of physical prepared mindset as well. But we should never 
lose sight also that we should be living prepared always to meet the Lord. First and foremost, the way that anybody can be prepared for meeting the Lord is knowing Christ as a personal Savior from sin. And if you are here today and you are not familiar with that, or maybe you're indifferent to it, I haven't heard that before, you must recognize that your sin separates you from a holy, righteous God. And that sin has a punishment in eternity separated from God in hell because of that. But God, who is not willing that any man should perish, has made a way for us to be reconciled to him through his Son, and by sending Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, born of a virgin, into this world, and after his life and adult ministry, he was crucified, died and was buried, three days later rose again from the dead, and because of that, he has paid for sin and set men free from sin, hell, and the grave, and you can do so, friend, by repenting today and believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be saved. Scripture tells us that now is the appointed time. Now is the day of salvation. So, but beyond that, other ways that we can be ready as Christians, secondly, is probably best summed up as holiness. Holiness. God calls us to be holy as he is holy. And this could include just a variety of things, keeping short accounts with other people in your life, having being zealous for good works and building up other believers in the faith, encouraging and spurring each other on to love and good deeds, increasing your witness with other people as we addressed before, making the most of every opportunity to reach people with that gospel message. And a good summary of this might be found in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul charging young Timothy in this, and it says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So how accurate of a description is that of you right now? How well does that summarize your life? We are called by the scriptures to live above reproach in such a way that though those enemies that we talked about back in point number one, though that they're trying to come against you and accuse you, dig up dirt against you, they shouldn't be able to find anything. So uh, a third way then that we can live prepared to meet the Lord in this day is by having a sound mind. Second Timothy chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 1. Verse 7, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, for it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can you see how valid that might be about right now today? And it's important for us to address this in terms of a very practical application. One way that you can help keep a sound mind is to not give any credibility to things being said by the American mainstream news media and the CDC. These entities are not news and information sources. They are tools of propaganda. And when you stop and think about what we've gone through in the last year and a half, just constant media in-your-face stuff, whether it's lock down this or shut down that, now you better wear two masks to be really safe. And here comes this new Delta variant. What's the latest CDC guideline? This stuff is constantly in your face to the point that if somebody just total fear, 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 to the point that if somebody actually followed all this stuff to the T, you could very quickly 
put yourself into a mental and emotional state where you just totally ah, just frazzled to death. And that by itself would be destructive of your health. The Bible speaks to us about this kind of fear or calamity coming upon us in uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. And it says, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh, for the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So this certainly should summarize us. And, and we're not saying, hey, be foolish. Yeah, wash your hands. And if you really are sick, stay at home. But when you consider what our churches are doing right now, there are churches today still not meeting, still with their doors shut. Uh, Christians who are just as afraid to step outside because they're going to be afraid of what's going to get them when they go out there. We need to be taking stock of this, friends, because as the church... What do we have to offer to this lost and chaotic world when we say in the midst of all this kind of stuff, faith not fear with our mouth, and then by our actions, we conduct ourselves in a manner that makes us look just as fearful as what the rest of the world is? What kind of faith is that? And so I pray that you see the need for serving God with a sound mind today. The fourth way, living prepared to meet the Lord, is by contending with the wicked. In Proverbs chapter 28, verses 1 and 4. And he kind of skips over a little bit. 28, verses 1 and 4, it tells us, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. So let me call out a little bit, and I'm going to role play this to kind of help you get the point and embellish it a little bit, but kind of this gloom and doom is kind of Christian where it's just kind of like, oh, this, this whole world is just so evil. It's getting so dark out there. There's just nothing we can do about it. Just hang on for Jesus, and, and yeah, we'll pray. And, and let's, let's remember, God's in control, amen. So, so let me ask you, did that sound like boldness to you. I mean, I just, just thought I'd bring that up. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm so inspired by this display of courageous Christian faith, aren't you? And, and clearly, in Proverbs 4, it speaks about we are, that keep the law, contend with these evil people. So, okay, well, wicked who? This term has application to anybody under the sun that can be opposed to God's law or things that are just and right in God's eyes. So this could mean something like wicked false teachers of our day, wicked scholars, philosophers in the secular world, atheists, critics of the faith. This can include wicked political leaders like wicked president, wicked legislators, wicked city councilmen, or even school board members. And it can include, and even in the public sphere in our national life, wicked people like Bill Gates and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Both of these men are consumed with the love of money and greedy. It's these two who stand to fatten their pockets up the most off of much of the vaccines being pushed. And this is what drives much of the media fear-mongering that we addressed a little bit ago. And if you're saying to yourself, well, you know, this is, you know, let's, you're kind of shocked that we might be calling out real names, political titles, 
And, you know, this isn't, the church isn't supposed to talk about this. If that's where your mind is going, it is imperative for you to think about it this way. Are we called to resist the devil? Right? Of course we are, amen? So if God calls us to resist Satan, the top dog of all evil in this world, the head honcho, then how much more do those who act as Satan's underlings and human agents on this earth deserve our resistance and opposition? And so, and if you might ask yourself, well, to what level, you can take a look at that yourself this week. I would challenge every one of you to read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, that faith hall of fame chapter, and you go through that and ask yourself, how many of these actions of faith are actions of disobedience and defiance to wicked and tyrannical government? That is a topic that is worthy of your study and your prayers and consideration because if we see from the scriptures actions of faith that these people did that disobeyed government and man to obey God, and they did so by faith, and we know these things were written for our learning, then one of the lessons we are supposed to learn from that is that if we ever lived in our lifetime under great, wicked, and tyrannical leaders, we would know how to disobey them by faith. Okay, That's what that stuff is written for. And I'm telling, bringing this out because that is one truth today from the Bible that most Christians don't want to call Bible truth. Nobody wants to hear this. Nobody wants to address this. And because of that, we have significant teachings and portions of Scripture that are not being preached and taught in our churches today, which by default is making us less biblically grounded and therefore weaker Christians in the face of greater evils sweeping across our land. And so to be really blunt... What this is doing is it is creating this, because of our silence with this aspect of faith and teaching from the Word of God, it is turning us into the most gutless, apathetic, cowardly, stand-for-nothing Christians in world history. And you need to catch this precedent right here, because what's really at stake, friends, is that when you and I just fall over for every old evil and peril in this world and every evil doer and thinking there's no responsibility to resist any of this or we get duck, stuck in that kind of gloom and doom, oh, what will we do? In either one of those circumstances, the only thing we are accomplishing when we do that is we are turning ourselves into the fulfillment of scriptures like Proverbs 25 and verse 26 where it tells us a righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. Did I, did I catch that right? I'm sorry. Uh, did I have the right one, River? I'm sorry. Proverbs 25, verse 26. Yeah, okay. Yes. So, pray that you're seeing why this is necessary for us to resist evil. And a last and the fifth way that we can be living always to meet the Lord is by enjoying today for today. This is a lighter one. We, we've considered a lot of heavier stuff today, but 
Let me turn to one last passage, and you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but if you're taking notes, it's Ecclesiastes 5, verse 18. It says, Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. We can get pretty, indeed, mesmerized by stuff going on in the world, but just remember to enjoy the labors of today that God's given you for today. Laugh today. Love on people today. Enjoy the fullness of life that God's given you for today where we're at right now. You know, God is in, in we don't need to fear tomorrow because God is already there. And so certainly we've considered some, some heavy thoughts today, but I do pray that you're seeing something from the Bible that girds you up a little bit to help you to see that the response of godly people in the face of the world's evils and, and what seems to be getting waxing worse is not to just shrink back, but it is to get up and you know, ratchet it up a few more notches. You know, turn up the righteousness that much more. And we have seen today how we might do that by looking, first of all, at how we can be prepared to give an answer to various kinds of people, whether kind or hostile in various circumstances and settings. We've looked secondly at our duty to be prepared physically with real means and resources and skill sets to face the adversities of our day. And we've considered lastly various points on how we might live being prepared always to meet the Lord. So I pray friends today that you're catching some vision, that you're getting some grounding from the word of God itself to see how we might indeed stand fast in the faith in our day and in our time. How we might occupy till he comes. And may we do these things in the grace and the power of God. And may you individually live as such that you could be counted as the prepared Christian. Amen. Would you please pause with me for prayer? Lord, we thank you once again for, for your word and your truth. And Lord, we know that we are in times that indeed seem crazy. We thank you that you are in control of all things. And we pray that because you are, that we would stand up and act like you are on the throne and not only talk about it. Help us, Lord, to live by faith. Help us to, to take stock of our lives and in these three areas, how we might grow. Strengthen us, Lord, in these days that we pray and strengthen us to do your will and that you would receive honor and glory in all of these things. Go with us now today, being people who will be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.